Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Lisa Goodman. She's the founder of Good Skin Clinics. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you. And something unusual today, for first for a podcast, we're joined by Henry the dog, um, who's sitting with us so comfortably relaxing while we record, and we've never had a dog as a guest on our show. Uh, I'm so pleased. Thank you for <laughs> my... <laughs> he goes everywhere with me, so... So you'd mentioned that you actually are always traveling, two weeks here, two weeks there, mm-hmm. and Henry goes with you. Tell me about that process and that rhythm. So I, I got engaged to a French guy a couple of years ago and uh, wanted to still have my whole full life and not like have a relationship, have a business, have my dog. <laughs> so um, I just started flying with him and he'd go 14 hours and he's totally fine. He's like really, really good on the plane. There's always someone who loves him and he's really good. So, but now what's crazy about Paris is that if you go... He expects his like little piece of croissant in the morning, and if you try to hand him bread, he knows the difference, and he won't have it. So we're just getting the vibe for New York, though. So that's like a new layer is is starting our New York clients and stuff. So oh, so you're you're bringing the business to New York? Yeah, I've been coming twice a year at the most three times, mm-hmm. and then I just decided to make my life more crazy because we I love all my New York clientele so much that we decided to be here once a month starting in January. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. So um, I understand the process for Henry, right? He had a lot of travel for him, but what about for you? Like, do you always have a suitcase packed? Are you like kind of just um, reassuring the same two weeks worth of wardrobe? You know, it's uh, the honest truth is that like I have hormones and there's some days where I'm like, I can do this and I'll wear the same clothes. And then there's other times where like, I feel so crazy and I'm like, I don't want to wear the same thing and I can't pack this and I can't handle all this. And so, no, I don't have a rhythm yet. I don't have a schedule. I don't have, like, I just try to exist where I'm at kind of thing. And sometimes it feels easy and sometimes it feels impossible. I would imagine that you are the go-to person for travel tips for your friends. (laughs) Is this true? You know, it's so weird. I don't know why they don't ask me. I think they always just assume I know I'm on like another time. So they're like, where is she even? Um, they might probably just assume that like my traveling is so crazy that don't ask her because it's just nuts. Right. So we yeah. like never ever talk about product on the show because we're always talking about like career journey and things like that. Yeah. But I guess when someone is traveling as often as you, I do want to know like what skincare are you using on the plane and what are your tips for like not feeling awful and disgusting when you get off that flight? Yeah, that is such a good question. Um, there's a, I'm not supposed to plug people, but there's a facialist called Biba, and she makes a spray that is hydrating and has antioxidants and smells good. And so I put it in one of those little perfume things. And I actually, that's something I really like. A lot of people recommend like the Avion water. That's nice too. I just, I, for me to use something, I obviously believe in skincare, but I also run myself pretty ragged. And so for me to then take care of myself, it has to be something that like I look forward to has to like have a really good smell or mm-hmm. it just has to be because I'm not enough of a person who's like stays on my regimen and I don't get on the plane and I'm like I'm gonna still do my five steps I just I just can't <laughs> so you um you know the sense of ritual and pleasure is important in in addition to the efficacy is mm-hmm. what I'm hearing mm-hmm. yeah yeah all right for me the I guess the priority of having a plan doesn't outweigh like I'll scrap the plan unless I really like it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then I will kind of show up feeling kind of crappy because I'm like, I'll have more wine. I'll eat the food. And then, and then I, 
I'm like, oh, I shouldn't do that again. And then I like a couple days later. So I, I really have not three years I've been doing this and I haven't gotten, you'd think that I would like sit down and say, I'm going to actually like have a rhythm. I'm going to have a schedule. I'm going to have the things that I do and I'm going to feel better. And no, I haven't figured that out. <laughs> I have not figured that out. Uh, well, you, you can, right? That's an opportunity for you. Yeah. And you know what I think? The one thing that I have, though, is I used to not take him. And he's added an, a level of stress, but he's also, like, I feel wherever I'm at, I feel like kind of like I'm at home. Mm-hmm. And so having, having my dog with me really helps. And then I always have... Um, these, uh, we use them in my office a lot. They're like eucalyptus sanitizer wipes. Mm -hmm. So I have like little things. I'm always like, where's that? Mm -hmm. But otherwise I've tried not to get too attached to things. Cause like lo and behold, when I used to do that, you leave something somewhere and then you're like, Oh, where's that thing? And then you're, so that's like the biggest thing I've had to learn is not get too attached to something. Cause inevitably I'm going to lose it (laughs) or I'm going to misplace it. And I'm going to be freaking out that I can't find this or have that. So that makes sense. So means, let's talk yeah. a little bit about what you've been traveling the world doing. Um, are you a dermatologist? I am a physician assistant who specializes in dermatology and injectables. Okay, so you're not a plastic surgeon either? No. Okay, but you're an aesthetics expert. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, you do it long enough, yeah. Um, so you told me that you studied alongside a plastic surgeon in France and you sort of had this... Um, Epiphany. Yeah, like purpose, sense of purpose. Yeah. Walk us through that moment. Uh, do you want to hear the quick backstory, the super quick backstory? I'm comfortable. Are you comfortable? I'm comfortable. <laughs> so I was working for... So I basically was that like overachieving, anxious kid who felt like I always had to study. And so I was at college at 17 and then at 22... I had like finished my master's already, and so at 23, I got the opportunity to work, and I wanted to go back home to LA, and I got the opportunity right out of grad school to go work in, at the time, what was one of the best offices, like the top office in LA, and so I worked there for under a dermatologist who basically taught me everything for nine years, and then I worked for, again, after that, like who was like the top, top, you can go, like at that, that point in the industry, there weren't as many people doing Botox. There weren't as many people doing fillers. So you had these uh, well-known doctors in their 60s who had kind of come up with these products, and we associated them. Like, me as we as consumers associated these people. I can say his name because I didn't work for him, but, like, the doctor brands of the world. We associated these people as, like, knowing the most, being the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Klein, Arnie Klein. Like, so when you were inside the industry, what you guys don't realize as consumers is now there's like all this people to go to. But 10 years ago, nine years ago, there wasn't. So I had already been working for who was considered the best. So I thought, oh, I know everything or that there is to know. I've seen celebrities injected all the time. I've seen everything. So by the time I got this chance to kind of shadow a plastic surgeon, I didn't show up thinking that I was going to learn. I showed up thinking I was going to be the straight A student who got to like show off to be quite honest. And because uh, like I'm coming from LA and I work for the best. And, and I honestly wanted to write off part of the trip. So a friend got me the opportunity to, to, to kind of make it slightly business. And so um, when I showed up and basically a whole, a whole other world of how to do this industry was open to me because, and you wouldn't, unless you come to my office and experience or you go in a European office, like I treat a lot of European clients and they're, they're they come in totally at home into my office. Cause my office is basically like a big room like this. American offices are little, we're used to the American model of medicine where you go in a small room, you wait for someone, you wait a while and then they go to the next, you just kind of feel like there's always a room going. Um, the European model is more, we sit down we talk about 
your actual anti-aging goals. We talk about how we're going to keep you looking the same. And, and then you discuss a plan for a little while versus the Americans, you know, most girls don't think that way. They think, I need to go get some Botox at a quick place. Mm-hmm. Or that, that's how they talk to their friends. So that's what my reference was. So to go in and see this other model, I was like, whoa. And then I obviously learned some like advanced techniques. Um, and then I went back and told my boss at the time because I was been been there for 12 10 years or something like I've seen the light we have to do it like this like this is the way this is the way you know and she was like yeah no <laughs> so we parted ways and then I opened my own place a couple of years ago and uh, I had sunk all my savings into it with my ex-husband and we put a tv in the in the um in the we had this little closet that had all our supplies and we put a tv in there because I thought that I was going to just see like my plan was that I was going to see three clients a week and I was going to have a baby and chill or something. And basically none of that happened. And a lot of, like, in the beginning, like, um, my sister-in-law was scheduling people from her phone. Like, we just had nothing prepared because I thought no one was going to understand what I was doing. I thought everyone needed the American concept to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And that unless there was this huge dermatologist name, I didn't have my pictures on the wall, I wasn't put in any publications yet, I just... I was in a nice area and a beautiful building because I wanted to be and I wanted to share a nice space with people, with clients, but I truly thought three people would show up and I'd be treating three people a month. So my ex-husband thought this was going to be like, oh, we're going to go at lunch and like watch TV and hang out. And within the first month, it was, it was, it was awesome. It was really awesome. And then since then, just been kind of keeping up with it and trying not to let it grow too fast, but also then you want something to grow because it's exciting and you meet people who, who like are, they're so happy that they're so happy that to be your client and you're so happy that they're so happy that then you're just like, Oh yeah, I'll show up. I'll go to New York more. Okay. I'll do this. And, um, and so along the way I got engaged to a French guy, a different French guy than the plastic surgeon. And, uh, he, his visa ran out and, um, I had gone through a divorce obviously <laughs> and, uh, and his visa ran out and he went back, back to France, back to Paris. And I thought it was going to be just like a little kind of fling and he invited me out and we'd only been dating three months and he invited me out and he took me to Venice and proposed and I like freaked out. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I, like freaked out and was like, I'm not ready. This is too much. And I just had a divorce. I didn't tell him any of that, but I basically had an inside nervous breakdown and, and then went back and my, my clients from LA were like, don't worry. I've had five engagements. You'll be fine. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be no big deal. And that was three years ago. So that's why my life is, is, um, Paris and New York now and then LA. Right. Paris, New York, LA. So you thought that you would have very few clients a day and be watching TV mm-hmm. in this nice little space that you created. Yeah. Um, I was going to have a baby and stay married to the other guy. And yeah. Wow. Oh, so <laughs> we fast forward, like, let's say a few months, you, you have an enormous amount of clients and I'm guessing they all came word of mouth. Yeah. I had clients that followed me that I didn't expect. Um, it's crazy. I've still had clients like two years later find me and I'm like, how? Like they'll track you down mm-hmm. that I never really knew I made an impression on. And yeah, and then I think when something special and different women, it's a funny thing, like I'll have women tell me like, I want, I really want to tell everyone about you, but I, I don't want you to be too booked for me. <laughs> and I'm like, well, women should help. Let's help each other. Like, thank you. Please tell. And I promise I will be respectful of like the time you're, I'll give you the time that you're giving me and it'll work both ways. And 
And so, um, yeah, so women, people told people. Right. So mm -hmm. let's talk about your philosophy. It's called the untouched look. What does that mean? Our clients started, my clients started calling it that. So what happened was I didn't, so I came back from Paris and I was doing this more consultative approach where instead of you walking into an office and saying, I want Botox here, I want fillers here, I want these lips, I want that. It was, I actually learned how to touch and feel someone's face and diagnose their source of aging. Okay, so then I'd sit and make them a plan and say, these are the th couple things involving these particular fillers you need to do to look your best. Or, uh, and, and what happened was I didn't actually have before and afters at that time because I, I, um, my whole body of work I had to leave at the other office. So we started to take photos of, of people as during the process, and I started to do, do these techniques. And I was already a good injector. I had clients. I, I already had a good aesthetic. But the for the first time, I had like um, perf beautiful lighting and natural lighting and a body of work that where people would just come back. They they'd look at their photos and they'd be like, "Oh my god, I look so much better," but I I, I don't look different. Mm -hmm. And so they were the ones that they, they came up, I don't know exactly who, but more than one person was, was like, I just kind of look untouched, but I look better. So, so yeah, they came up with it. Yeah, we trademarked like it. it. Yeah, yeah, it's a really cool <laughs> philosophy. So um, does someone need to be scared about who they go to? Like, you know, I think I you should be. I think you should be. I think that unfortunately and fortunately in the in it it's a good thing because it makes it accessible to lots of people the fact that we can have nurses and PAs like me doing this and we can have medi spas it so it makes it accessible and I'm all about accessibility um, but there is no exact training to do this you could be a nurse in the ER one day and injecting the next and um, my sister's a nurse and she works with me now but like I put her through the most rigorous training and made her go to Europe to a course in, in the Netherlands for three days where she worked on cadavers, which sounds creepy, but like th that's the kind of training that, that I personally believe should be done before you're touching someone because, you know, especially, um, obviously, when we're younger, we think nothing bad is going to happen and it's all fine and and there's some really scary things that can happen with this stuff and not to not to scare people but like there's been cases of blindness there's mm -hmm. been mm -hmm. and and yeah so so that lip injection might not be so harmless right so yeah. um you know not everyone has access to you right um so how do they find this untouched look in their own community um so that is partially why, so I trained my sister and we trained another nurse in LA that works with us now. And I really am about kind of, to be honest, I really enjoy training nurses. Mm -hmm. Nurses have a different price and it does open up. I grew up where the most, I couldn't afford to go to dermatologists when we were kids. It was like we had Kaiser and so it was, if I wanted anything, it was a clinic counter at the time, which really couldn't solve any problems for me. So I didn't want to expand the business in a way that was too exclusive, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I keep my clientele kind of exclusive. Just my life is a little too nuts, so I have to have some limits on it <laughs> And um, with the amount of clients I take. But that is why we're actively training nurses and being in, in big cities, L.A., New York. We have a lot of people that fly in. And then we've told a number of clients. We have clients that live in Montana or clients that 
some of our clients that have gone back will educate them. Like, I have no problem sharing. We have clients that come from Hawaii and we educate them. Hey, this is what you should kind of ask for or look for Mm -hmm. in a provider. And it it comes down to asking where someone's done their training, looking at their body of work. Do they have, what are they performing? What's their aesthetic like? Um, Looking at the people in the office, it it just all goes together. But you can't just assume just because your friend sent you. Or because it's a low, it's the price you want, you know. Right. So you mentioned that you actually like touch your patients' faces and you can diagnose yeah. their their I guess aging spots. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you looking for? So the next, so we are. Uh, that might be the biggest fallacy. People think if I go and have a lot of facials, if my skin looks good, then everything underneath is going to look good. I'm going to age well, but. Basically, we're feeling for bone loss. As we age, we don't lose bone symmetrically. So I'm like touching the bones on my cheeks and like yeah. there's gonna be bone loss There here. will be bone uh-huh. loss. Or there already is and I don't know it. Probably a little already, mm-hmm. yeah. And so our bones actually shrink. I'm most interested in bone loss with yeah. age. Some people are most interested in fat loss. I'm just particularly most interested in bone loss. So that's why like people's noses look different as they mm-hmm. age because like the structure's actually changing. Honestly, most of the time, there's this big a myth as well that our nose grows a lot and our ears grow a lot but really it's everything around those areas that is shrinking Mm -hmm. and losing support for the cartilage on top of the nose so women um, particularly we do lose quite a bit of bone even by the age of 35 we've seen we'll see it I'm looking for it right now and no one can see me except you (laughs) it's probably more in your jawbone because I think yeah Mm -hmm. and honestly it would be hard for me to give you a super accurate without touching you Uh but just from i done this so much I already kind of know like your right bone on your cheekbone is smaller than your left one and your your jaw you I think you're kind of born with a slightly slightly more narrow jaw and having a more narrow jaw um already there there is actually a science of aging there is actually now there are different ethnicities age differently Mm -hmm. but um what people don't know is that the way the understanding of how we actually age has the the knowledge of it has grown leaps and bounds in the last 15 years because it's become a, a billion dollar industry with Botox and Allergan is investing so much money into studies on what is the best way to do these injections? How does it look the best? Where do we really need to focus? Do we need to build bone? Mm-hmm. Do we need to build fat? Is it really all about skin? So they didn't, when you saw facelifts in the 90s, they didn't know all this about bone and about fat loss, which is why people looked so pulled and mm-hmm. kind of pulled around a skeleton. And it's, you know, you've seen in the last 10 years, yes, we see more, I think in America, in Europe, when you go to Europe, you don't see these kind of scary faces, Yeah. Um, injected faces. It's not as accessible to get, to get injections there. There's no spots. There's no, like, I can walk in and get what I want. Um, so there's a kind of a barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. And here we've seen, we've seen a, I personally, I feel like I've seen better work, and I've also seen more poor work. But, you know, I am still seeing better because our understanding of aging is getting better. Right. So, so if I'm looking to, I guess, slow signs of aging, yeah. right, um, would I want to, like, we talk about bone density for, like, the rest of our bodies, right, yeah. so that we can walk and yeah. move our bodies mm-hmm. as we age. Um, is there a way to manage bone density? In There's your not face? yet. I want to create a tool. Okay. Yeah, there actually is not yet. Um, and I want to create a tool because think about it too. Like sometimes you might have heard probably people telling you, oh, you need, uh, you lose fat with age and so you should do this filler. I'm, I do believe in that, but I'm more about 
preserving the bone of your face to hold up the structure because sometimes we look a little bit better with some fat loss. Mm -hmm. I know my face has, like just losing some baby fat. Right. Most of my clients are like that too. Um, and so I do tell them there's not, right now there's not really a tool to use, but obviously just like having a healthy lifestyle and trying to sleep and take your greens and, um, you know, you can't really lift weights for your face yet. So, right. So, mm -hmm. but that's like totally where I'm at right now in my head. Like when I was, I guess in my twenties, I had like the baby fat, mm -hmm. right? So then that disappears in my thirties, right. I guess. And then um, in your thirties, your, your bones also shrink. Right. So it's like, it's all kind of shrinking and falling. Right. And then by your forties, half the time people come into me and they all think it's like loose skin, but they've, they've actually done studies to prove it's not a lot of loose skin. It's actually a lot of loss of support. And so that's why you see the, the models or the, Nor the, the, a lot of them are from Norway, right? Where they have, that's why I know a lot of times people's ethnicity, I can guess people's ethnicities based on touching their face, uh -huh. just from touching so many of the same, like Polish tend to have smaller cheekbones, Asians have a flatter malar cheekbone. And so you can know, if you also know the science, how they're going to age and what you can prevent. But back to the, to why models tend to age really well, they have really strong bone structure and Nords and Swedish people do tend to have that strong bone structure. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.